0: The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management.
2: Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of rosenthal wealth management group and affiliated with satira
1: it's time now for making money sense live with larry rosenthal larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now author speaker and talk show host larry rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-Rose-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making money sense is on the air.
2: Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal show and today we have Dina in for Larry and we're glad to see her again. Howdy, howdy, howdy.
3: Hey, good to see you.
2: How's everything How are with, you with you?
3: this this chilly November morning. Well,
2: you know, there is that fact that winter has to come around, whether we like it or not, once a year. So, I'm, I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, no. I've got to get planned for it. I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. How about you? <laughs>
3: Uh, we're doing we're doing well. Got up to a a very frosty morning here in Northern Virginia,
2: but but we're making it. But Christmas is coming. That's the way to look at it, because you know, cold and snow and all that.
3: Yes, I noticed at least one of my neighbors already has up her
2: Christmas tree. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the stores already have their little uh, trinkets and everything for sale. So
4: yeah.
3: Oh goodness, I was at Hobby Lobby in July and they were setting up for Christmas.
2: <laughs> it's a little bit early, isn't it?
3: Just a little bit. You know, for some people, Christmas is year-round.
2: That's true. And if it's in your heart and it's not so much, it's about giving and love and all that, then that's a good thing.
3: (laughs) Aren't we here to talk about
2: money? Let's talk about money. I like that.
3: (laughs) It's been a wild week. You, You know, we had a really difficult September. But all three major U.S. indices closed at record highs on Friday. The S&P Index and the NASDAQ both clinched their best months since November 20th. They were up 6.9% and 7.3% respectively in October, and the Dow was up 5.8%. For the year, the s and is up more than 22%. So this just goes to show you, I, I talked to some people when things were going not so great in September and they were worried, oh, is this is this a crash? And I assured them no, we are we are more than overdue a correction. So to to think that we may see a market pullback at this point wouldn't be a shocker. But there was also this this weird thing called the September effect. And on average September sees negative returns. So but between the fact that we hadn't had a, a a correction in about a year and a half, and the looming September effect, a negative September was not a surprise, but the the big bounce in October to, to recoup all of it and then gain some more was, was certainly a nice reprieve. Earlier this week, you may be aware that the Federal Reserve met. Uh, the United States Federal Reserve announced this week that they will start tapering We've talked yeah. about tapering before in in the light of the most recent COVID recession and even back in the 08 recession. The Fed decided that to pump liquidity into our economy, they would not only lower interest rates to near zero, they, the Federal Reserve, would actually start buying United States treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. So they did the same thing for the COVID uh, recession, and they've been buying 140 billion dollars a month of U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. And the Fed decided this week that the economy is strong enough for them to reduce the number of bonds they're buying. They're calling this the taper, and they're going from 120 billion a month to 105 billion a month. And they'll see how it works. Uh, the great thing that the Fed has done is they have telegraphed this move very, very loudly and over a span of months. So the market didn't really they built it in, right? Well, it, yeah, the market yeah. didn't really hitch when the Fed announced mm-hmm. this on Wednesday. So that's that's quite a good thing. Um, and we should actually, a, as this unwinding continues, we should see some. Hopefully, normalization in the bond market, because as you may be aware, bond yields are at historic lows and have been for quite some time. Uh, We'll see. I think what the Fed will do is I think they'll do a number of tapers. They'll assess the effectiveness of it, because what are we trying to combat right now? We're trying to combat inflation. And inflation can be combated by reducing the amount of money supply that we have in our economy. So the Fed's got a number of tools they can use for that, right? They can raise interest rates. They can buy and sell bonds. They can actually mandate that banks keep more money on hand than uh, than they do right now. That's called the reserve requirements. That in order to combat inflation, the Fed can increase those reserve requirements. So right now, the Fed's doing the slow and steady on inflation. They've They've done the taper, they've initiated the taper, and they'll follow that. If that doesn't work well, you may see them move to raising interest rates. But at this point, we're guessing because, well, I'll say projecting. That sounds better.
2: I like that better. Yes.
3: Um, We're projecting that interest rates will start to rise in 2023. We'll see. It it depends a lot on how the inflation issue pans out, which part of that is also all the containers that still need to be unloaded off the the shores of of our great country. So, as goods and services become harder to find, that makes inflation go up. If we can get those containers unloaded, if we can get interest rates in a more normal uh, in a more normal range, you may see inflation back off. That's what the Fed is watching right now.
2: Have they really kind of uh, come up with an answer as to why the supply chain is doing what it's doing? Is it just lack of workers or...?
3: Um, yeah. it, it's a whole bunch of things. It's been this big snowball effect, right? We, we had COVID, which hard to believe COVID really was a year and a half ago or more by now. Mm. And factories started shutting down to, to stop the spread of the virus. And as those factories shut down, the things that these factories built weren't being built Mm. think about the the computer chips for the cars we've been hearing this for months and months now how automobile manufacturers are really struggling because they can't get all the parts they need to build new cars so it started out with hey we're going to shut our factories down because we don't want to spread covid that cut off this the the supply of new goods coming in after people started going back to work and started rebuilding Well, you've still got people unemployed, and some of the people who are still unemployed are the people who are in charge of loading those containers, Mm -hmm. getting them to port, unloading them, and then distributing the material. So it's been this real big uh, uh, snowball.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's hope the snowball melts here pretty soon and we can get back to it. I
3: I think there are a lot of of good things happening, and I think the administration especially is concerned with making sure that issue is taken care of. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing. I do know that they are batting around a number of ideas to fix that problem. Gotcha. Not going to be a quick fix by any stretch of the imagination, but it can be fixed.
2: Things are slowly getting back to normal. It's going to take time.
3: Slowly, yes. Um, The the yield on the U.S. Treasury went down to 1.46 from 1.56 this week. When yields go down, that means prices are going up. Mm -hmm. That could indicate that people are buying U.S. Treasuries more this past week. Uh, The Price per barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil dropped a little bit this week. Volatility dropped a little bit this week. So those are all good things, and as investors, they make us feel a little better.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's exciting that we're going to at least move in the right direction, right?
3: You know, and any time you have a recession, I think it takes a while to to not only get rid of the the. Impact the actual impact of the recession, and in our case, it's going to be getting people back to work, getting containers unloaded, getting shelves restocked, getting gas back at a normal price. I think it takes a while for those things to normalize, but even beyond that, I think back to the 08 recession and how long we all felt a bit shell shocked, even after it was completely yeah. over. Yeah. The market was doing well. People were going back to work. Housing prices were rebounding, and it was still in the back of our minds. Oh no, when when's the next
2: crash? Yeah, yeah. When's the other ball gonna drop? Yeah. So
3: I think we'll feel some similar angst as this COVID recession and all the impact of that unwinds, but it will unwind. We've got a great track record as a country of un- unwinding from bad things and going on mm-hmm. to newer bigger and better things. So that's where we're headed.
2: For you and I and Joe Investor uh, when we're thinking about this whole big noise situation and things going on, what's what's our best track? What's our best forward track here?
3: The the that's a great question, Chris, because I I get asked this question all the time. What do we do in times like this? In times like this, you stay the course, mm-hmm. especially if you're working with a planner and the planner has helped you devise a game plan for your family to meet its financial goals and obtain and, and and hang on to that financial security, you don't deviate from that plan. The plan is good. And I'll tell you what, as a financial planner, when I put a game plan into place for a client, I know we're going to have volatility. I know we're going to have times when the stock market isn't doing great things for us. I build that in. I build in that expectation so that when we have wild from far left field things like a COVID recession, the plan isn't derailed. Mm -hmm. So the best thing is, A, if you're working with somebody and you've already got a plan, Stay the course. If you're feeling nervous, talk to your advisor. If you've got an advisor that you just don't feel like they're giving you the straight story, call us. We will. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a full evaluation of what's going on and whether your plan is sustainable. That's the big thing, right? Is your financial plan sustainable during the tough times? Mm-hmm. Held. So you you okay. stay you stay to the plan if if you've got one and if you don't have a plan, you sit down with someone and you develop yeah. one.
2: Yeah. What's the old adage, uh fail the plan, plan to fail kind of thing? You know, you gotta get that planning in for sure. You
3: know, you've got you've gotta do it. And and there's no better time than when things are in a real state of flux. Yeah. You're you're already nervous. You're already looking for answers. You're already looking for some guidance. If you don't have a good financial plan and you're not working with someone to develop that plan, get in there and do it. That will help you sleep better at night, and it will give you a high degree of confidence that the things you want to accomplish for your family will be accomplished.
2: Very good. Well, if you've been thinking about getting a financial plan, now is the time then at 855-767-3123. you have got a question here today for Dina Arnett, who's in for Larry Rosenthal, 855-767-3123. We will be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in a minute. Stay tuned.
5: TheCDFI.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show.
2: Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in studio with us here today. We've got some phone lines available for you if you'd like to call in and ask any questions that are on your mind. It's 855-767-3123. Dina.
3: I am going to spend the rest of the show today talking to you about estate planning and estate management. I get so many questions about this, and there are so many uh, misunderstood ideas about estate planning and estate management. So I want to clear some of that up while we've got some time together today. So estate management really is just about preserving the assets that you've spent your whole life building, perhaps you inherited from your parents. It's about protecting your spouse, your children, your other heirs, and ensuring that those assets are distributed the way that you want when God calls you home, right? So good estate planning is also about managing potential estate taxes that could be due upon your death. So I want to talk about some fundamental estate management principles that can help you out with all of this. There are two basic objectives in estate planning. First of all, you want to manage your, your financial and personal affairs while you're alive and while you're healthy and live in your life. But the big deal is what happens after that. How do you manage this? How do you distribute the wealth after you have passed on? And there's no there's no set formula for this, right? You can you can do with your estate anything you want, as long as it's legal, right? Um, and if you do it well, good estate planning can make such a huge difference. I've seen cases where, on both ends of that spectrum, I've seen cases where someone passed away and had every single bit of their estate, their funeral. The, the aftermath of their passing, they had everything planned out to the nth degree. And then I've seen cases that w- were the exact opposite, where no estate planning was done. And some very unfortunate things happened as a result of that. Um, I, I think most of us, if given the time and the opportunity, would prefer the first scenario. So let's talk about uh, the, the various estate management principles. I, I sort of like to think of them as a pyramid. And the very foundation of that pyramid is, is understanding how estate taxes work. And as we move up, we talk about the documents that are necessary to distribute things the way that you wish. And then at the top of that pyramid, we talk about the specific tactics for managing the estate. So, first of all, estate taxes. How do they work? Well, you've got two potential types of estate taxes. You've got federal estate taxes, which govern everybody. And then you've got potentially state income or state inheritance taxes. And that's a state-by-state issue and can be in addition to what happens with the federal estate taxation and it's gone. The, the estate taxes have been around for quite a long time. To to understand how they work, you've got to understand some of the history. The very first estate tax was established in 1797. Uh, and And Congress enacted that tax to fund an undeclared war with France. And after that war was over, the tax went away. Did the same thing for the Civil and Spanish-American Wars. Congress passed an estate tax to pay for those, then repealed it afterwards until 1916. The 16th Amendment to the Constitution was passed in 1913, and that gave Congress the right to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived now isn't that fun so in essence the revenue act of 1916 established the estate tax it's been modified over time but mm. never again repealed
2: wow hey listen let's uh just take a quick break from estate planning for a second and let's talk with William in Bedford hey, welcome William and uh, what's your question for Dina here today
6: oh hi um I have a financial planner and I invest I have a little side account that I invest on my own and I have made a, uh, quite a bit of money on Tesla stock, and I'm a little nervous. It seems like going up like the left side of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Should I be uh, selling that or just kind of like, uh, what is it, the uh, Kathy Wood saying it's going to go to two or $3,000 a share? Mm. You know, it's like 1200 Should I just kind of throw the dice and hope for the best? or <laughs> <laughs> So... What, what
3: would What's the purpose of your Tesla stock? Was it a fun thing, and you thought, "Hey, I'm just going to buy a few shares and see how it goes"?
6: Yeah, I bought. It's a fun thing. I bought five shares. And went up. As uh, this split is now uh, forty-five shares. I sold five shares to cover my cost, and so the rest of it is just, it's just the house's money. Hmm. But um, I've done this before: I go ride it all the way up, and then ride it all the way back down. So I was thinking, if you had a uh, an idea on what what this stock might do. I like could. Uh, this is this is a private. This is not the financial planner side of the stock. That sure. That is by the. Uh, that's this is like a little play area.
3: Understood. Uh, that, <laughs> Understood. Okay, so there's a number of ways you can handle this. You've got 45 shares of the stock. You could actually set limit orders on. 15 shares here, 15 shares there, 15 shares there. That way, if the stock starts tanking, you, you can preserve a, an amount that is of your own choosing, right? It's $1,200 a share if it goes up to 1500 and you want to claim some more profits. Maybe you sell 15 shares or maybe you set a, a limit order that – will trigger to sell automatically a number of shares when it hits a price that you like. But I think the big thing for you, William, is to determine how much you're willing to lose and set a limit order on the downside for that as well you've done the right thing in taking out your basis that was going to be my first suggestion go ahead and sell enough shares to cover what you put in it but you've already done that so now the next part is to take a look at this and and in my mind it's three different lots you've got three different lots of 15 shares that you can do something with and i think gotcha. that's probably i think that's probably as as good a strategy as you can as you can have without knowing, you know, without having the, the working crystal ball to tell you what Tesla stock's going to do.
6: <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. So it, it feels like about am the roulette, roulette wheel here, you know. It
2: really does. Well, right. and, and
3: it's, you know, I had a very similar phone call a while back, William. I had one of my younger clients who had a similar experience with his GameStop stock. And called up and said, "Miss Dina, I need to know what to do. I've tripled my money on GameStop. What do I do?" <laughs> uh, that was a that was a fun one. But it's William. It's the same sort of concept, right? You you you're playing with house money by your own words. So, how much of that house money are you willing to lose, and how much do you want to hang on to? Set your limit orders accordingly.
6: I, that's a great idea. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I didn't even consider that. I, I will do that
2: now. Thank you. Appreciate
3: it. William. Thank Thank you you. so much for listening. Thank you for the call.
2: Appreciate you calling here today, William. Thanks for the call. We're going to go out uh, and talk to, uh, I guess it's Bodie, is that correct? From uh, Bowie, Maryland. Bodie, welcome to the show. And what's your question here for Dina?
7: Yes, uh, good morning and thank you for taking my call. So my question is, um, I have over $100,000 in my 401k and uh, my friend and I were talking and he was telling me what he did, like he pulled money from his 401 k and he used it to invest. so my question is is this a good idea to do or uh, I don't know what i don't I want to invest on right now, but I just want to ask is it a good idea and is it, does it make sense to do that? Mm. That's my question.
3: Great question bodhi what what types of investments are you considering?
7: thinking about real estate and uh, somewhat, I think, maybe invested in okay. stock, but I'm not sure what to do.
3: Sure, sure. How old are you?
7: I'm 45.
3: Okay. A few things you need to understand, Bodie. First thing, your 401k plan has a rule that says if you take money out, and take it in your hand, stick it in your bank account before 59 and a half years old, you're going to owe income taxes, which that's for everybody, right? But because you're under 59 and a half years old, you're also going to owe a 10% early distribution penalty. So if you've got $100,000 and you want to liquidate the whole account out, you're going to pay $10,000 right off the top as a penalty for doing so. And then whatever income tax bracket you're in, federal and state, that's going to come off the top, too. So I would encourage you if you want to take money from your 401k and make other investments, sometimes that can be a really good idea. But be sure that the money comes out of your 401k and goes into an IRA, an individual retirement arrangement. If you have put money into your 401k plan on a pre-tax basis, you're going to want to make sure that money transfers over to a traditional IRA. If you've been putting money into your 401k on a Roth basis, make sure you transfer Roth money to a Roth IRA. Quite often, doing that gives you a much wider universe from which to choose your investments. You can actually buy real estate Inside an IRA, you can buy gold, you can buy stocks, you can buy bonds. There's a a much larger investment universe out there for you outside of your 401k plan. But I would be very, very careful about the tax part of it. Make sure that if you're going to do this, you do it in a way that doesn't trigger unnecessary and avoidable taxes.
7: Oh, okay. Makes sense. Thank you. Yes, it does make sense. Thank you very much.
2: Hey, Bodie, I'm going to put you on hold to give you an opportunity to talk to Bob, maybe get some information about how to correctly invest and maybe even a financial plan. So thank you so much for calling today. Appreciate the phone call, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Dina.
3: Great phone calls. I want to get back to the estate planning conversation, though. Um, In 2012, the American Tax Relief Act Made estate tax is a permanent part of the tax code. So if you have an estate and if you have a home, if you have cars, if you have a 401k plan, if you have life insurance, you have an estate. So it's important to understand what applies to you and what doesn't. In 2017, the estate tax exemption, so the amount of money you can have and not owe any federal income taxes at all, doubled, the the Tax Cuts and Job Act in 2017 doubled the then current estate tax exemption. It's now $11.2 million. So if you die with less than $11.2 million, you're not going to owe federal estate taxes if you die with less than eleven point two million dollars but a chunk of it is in your pre-tax retirement plan then we start talking about income taxes so when we're doing estate planning we've got to talk estate taxes we've got to talk income taxes i'll get to the income tax bit in a little while because that there's some workarounds on that one as well but if you are someone who has an estate above the current exemption amount, you can do some back-of-the-envelope math real quickly and determine how much you might owe. So the exemption, and, and I misspoke, the exemption is $11.7 million. Any dollars that you have above that $11.7 million, multiply that by 40%. That's the federal tax on estates above that amount. And if you complete your estimate, you find out you may have an estate tax bill, I would strongly suggest talking to someone about ways to minimize that estate tax bill, because there are ways to do that. So we've talked about estate taxes. We've talked about the history of estate taxes. We now know that there's an $11.7 million exemption from federal estate taxes, that doesn't necessarily exempt you from your state, income, uh, state inheritance or estate taxes, but we're talking federal right now. On a more basic level, let's talk about the documents that you need as a part of an estate plan. I, I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm on social media. I read a whole lot of different financial types on social media. And so many times people will talk about you need to have a will. If you don't have a will, everything's going to be a mess. And they talk about the will as if that's the be-all, end-all of estate planning. It is
2: not. It's like the The last resort, isn't it, more or less?
3: Well, the will is is the bottom rung, okay? The will tells a probate court how to divide up your assets. So by very definition... The will is the instruction to the probate court. The probate court has to read the will, understand the will, and know how to divvy things out. That takes a lot of time, and it's an added expense to the estate, and in most cases, it is avoidable.
2: And very, very public.
3: uh, Absolutely. You sort of stole my thunder on that one uh, because I was going to get to that. Oops. Sorry. The, (laughs) the, um, The will is the basic estate document to tell people who you want to receive your stuff, but it is absolutely not public. It absolutely must go through a probate court. Many states will have a streamlined probate for small estates, but there's still a probate there if your only estate document is your will. Roughly 60% of Americans don't have a will. So what are the things that, that are left out if you don't have a will well the probate court gets to decide who gets your things when you pass if you have minor children when you pass and you don't have a will the probate courts will decide who raises your kids it's absolutely not private i know of a number of cases of identity theft after Mm. someone's passing and i'm certain that it's because people sit around and Watch the obituaries and try to figure out ways sure. to take out credit cards in a deceased person's name. And that's
2: sad, but it's true.
4: Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. It's, um, a, a will is the basic estate document, but if you want to do things beyond that, I, I think it's very, um, I think it's very important to discuss these with an estate attorney and also discuss the implications with your financial advisor. The very next most important document is what's called a durable power of attorney. The durable power of attorney will allow a person that you designate to make financial decisions for you in the event you're incapacitated and can't make them for yourself. This is a document that lives as long as you live. The minute God calls you home, the durable power attorney is done. Mm. It's no longer effective. It's no longer legally binding. But while you are alive, if you're hospitalized, if you're in a nursing home, if you have any number of of instances occur where you would not be able to manage your own finances, this durable power of attorney is critical to assigning someone that you trust to handle those things for you. Hmm. If you don't have one. A lot of times, relatives, loved ones will have to go to court and get what's called a conservatorship so that they can manage things for you. It's very avoidable. uh, Getting a durable power of attorney is typically part of an estate planning package that you would get from an estate attorney.
2: Well, speaking of uh, making plans for your family, it uh, looks like Tawana is calling us from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and has some oh uh, planning ideas for her grandchildren. And what's your question here for, uh, for Dina here today, Tawana? Thank you all
6: for taking my call. My question is, um, I was blessed to be a grandmother, and I'm thinking about leaving money.
2: To hey, Tawana, we're having a little t- trouble hearing you. Can you get a little closer to the phone maybe possibly or speak up just a bit? You're pretty far in the background, but we'll try to get your question. Go ahead.
4: Okay. I just wanted to know, was CDs a great investment to leave for Chris, I can't
3: hear her hey, at one all. Second. I'm sorry. Here we go.
2: I think we've got it now. Go ahead, Elizabeth, one more time. Or Tawana.
4: Um, there is we go. CDs, is CDs a great investment to leave for my grandchildren?
3: What would you want your grandchildren to do with the money that you would put in a CD?
4: Go to college, um, be able to live and not have to work too hard while they're studying in college.
3: Okay, okay. So, Tawana, CDs are not getting great rates of return right now. So, in in a in a very real manner of speaking, if you put money in a CD, it's sort of stagnant money. We want money okay. that we save for our grandkids to grow over time, right? Yeah. So. So I would want you to invest in something that had a better long-term potential return than a CD. The, the trade-off for you, the CD is guaranteed. You know what you're getting. It's never going to be any different. There's, there's some security in that. There's some peace of mind in that. But the trade-off is that stagnant money, it's probably earning less than a percent right now. If I go into... I'm just going to say an S&P 500 index, okay? That is the index okay. that mirrors our domestic stock market. If you put money into an S&P 500 index for your grandkids, now we've got some longer-term potential growth. The S&P over time averages between 9 and 10% a year. So wow. I've gone from stagnant money to money that has got Big growth potential, but the thing that you need to understand, Tawana, is that we have just gone from a completely risk-free proposition to a proposition that entails market risk. It means that money is going to ride the roller coaster ride that the S and P 500 rides. You're going to see great times. You're going to see bad times. Over time, if you leave it alone, it does quite well. How old are your grandchildren? Um, she is 6 months old. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. So she has I have, got I
4: have, I have go two ahead. others that um live with me and been with me since they were born and they are 6 and 4. Okay.
3: So each one of these precious babies has got time to let this money grow in the markets and What you're able to do for them today by putting money into a market-driven investment is give Uh them the opportunity to grow more money than if we put it in this nice, safe, stable CD over here. They've got a whole lot of time, especially that new baby. She's got 18 years until she's going to go to college. Over the course of 18 years, if the stock market, if the S&P 500 maintains its historic averages, any money that you would put in today is going to double a couple of times before she goes to college and needs to use it. Wow. I don't get that kind of growth in a CD.
4: Okay. All righty. And how can I find out about this? Where can I go?
3: Tell you what. I'm going to have Chris put you on hold. Bob is going to get your phone number and uh, some other contact information. And I can talk with you over the phone about how to set this up.
4: Okay, great. Thank you so much.
3: Yes, ma'am. And I will let you know, you, you will know what this is. I went to Austin Peay State University back in the 80s. Okay, okay. That's very near where you're living in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. That's over just across yes. the line in Clarksville. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So we would have been neighbors at one time. How
2: about that? <laughs> Small world, isn't it, Juana? Yes. <laughs> All right. You hang in there. We'll get, uh, we will, uh. Uh, get Bob on the phone here with you in just a second. You can find out some more information about those CDs. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123.
3: You know, that is such a fun idea, okay? It's it's so fun to think of planning for that next generation. And the amount of time that that market investments need to really provide a nice return, sometimes it's not long at all. But when you've got a case of a of a newborn grandchild or grandchildren that are still in the single digits, you can That's really a make time, a difference right? mm-hmm. for them and, and really build some assets for them to use later. If we can just get out of the, the thinking that the bank is the only thing in town, it's not. And we all know by now the bank isn't paying good interest rates because interest rates are historically low. So where else do we go?
2: A lot of the older generation, they have the mentality that uh, you got to save it in a bank or you put it in a jelly jar and put it under the, you know, a lot of those things. So they're just not uh, not going to make enough money to be able to outpace those other expenses that are out there.
3: Well, and that's just it. We want to be able to outpace taxes and inflation. If I put a $1,000 into a CD today earning 1%, I'm not going to outpace inflation. I'm not going to outpace the taxes that I owe on the 1% that I get. I've got to have a way for that $1,000 to purchase the same amount of goods and services in 18 years that it will purchase today. So that means I've got to have a rate of return that's bigger than the bank can really give me right now. I was, was may watching come a time, may come a time when the bank gives us good interest rates again, but I think that is years and years away.
2: I was watching a movie called Back to the Future. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yes, I do. I remember where the tennis shoes or some Nike tennis shoes is like $20,000 by the time that that came around. So, you know, (laughs) things do grow up in price over time, for sure.
3: Okay. Back to the estate planning. So we've talked about a will. We've talked about a durable power of attorney. There's also a power of attorney for health care. And the health care power of attorney tells a person that you designate how far you wish doctors to go to keep you alive are there certain treatments that you would refuse Um, are there certain things that that you just don't want to go through uh, in a in an end of life or in a medical emergency type of situation in a healthcare power of attorney you get to lay those decisions out they're legally binding and you designate a person to carry out those decisions for you so we've got a will We've got a durable power of attorney. We've got a healthcare power of attorney. And then there is the big king, the big mac daddy of all the estate planning documents, and that is the trust. I get more questions about trusts than anything else. People know they exist. They've heard they're a good thing to do, but perhaps don't understand why and don't understand the mechanics of it. So I'll spend the rest of our time today talking about a trust, what it is, how it works, and then we'll go from there. Fair enough?
2: I think that's a great idea, but let's take a quick break before we dive into that. How does that sound?
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> All
2: right. And we will be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a minute. Stay tuned. If you'd like to call in, now's a good number to, time to do so, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Dina Arnett, who is in today for Larry Rosenthal. Back in a moment. Here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest
0: money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years.
5: Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now. 855-767-3123. 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show.
2: And we're back. If you'd like to dial in 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Now, where were we before I so rudely interrupted you? Dana?
3: Before you so rudely interrupted me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Just yeah, kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talking about trusts and how a trust can help with estate management uh, and with estate, uh, with estate planning uh, later in life. So a trust, we've all heard of them, right? And and for so long, trusts seem to be this this sort of magical thing that the uber wealthy used to pass wealth to the next generation? Well, not so much anymore. A trust is absolutely viable. Even if you don't have millions and millions of dollars, a trust does a number of things for you. And as we talked about earlier, probate's a big deal and probate can be costly and time consuming. Any inheritance that passes by way of a trust, automatically avoids that probate process so we've by by enacting a trust and by titling things in the name of the trust we avoid that probate process for our heirs and beneficiaries so what does that mean exactly a trust is simply a document. A trust is a document that's drawn up by a lawyer, and it allows you some flexibility that a will really doesn't. A trust will allow you to designate where your assets go, whether they be financial, whether they be real estate, automobiles, artwork, jewelry, dad's tools, what, whatever. The trust will allow you to pass these things outside of probate, which means they go to their eventual owner in a much more efficient manner. But the trust also allows you to determine how your beneficiaries receive these things. So for example, if you have half a million dollars in a 401 k plan when you pass, and you want this to be divided equally among your five children, but one of your five children Isn't the greatest with money? Maybe they're what we would call a spendthrift. You can put provisions in your trust that say hey, my, my, my one child who isn't so great with money, I want this money doled out to him or her over a span of time. I don't want them getting a big lump sum all at once. No
2: Ferraris all of a sudden, that's right.
3: Yeah, um, that's, one of the, that's one of the most common things I see in trust world. Mm-hmm. I see people who say, you know what, I'd really like to maintain some control of these assets even after I'm gone. A trust is perfect for that. A trust keeps things private. Uh, If you have a trust and you don't title anything in the name of the trust, all you have done is paid for a very expensive document that didn't do anything. You can think of the trust as a document, but when you start using it, you think of the trust as a bucket, as a receptacle, where you put your different assets inside that bucket. And in order to put your assets inside the trust bucket, you have to make the trust the owner. So, for example, you may want to, instead of owning your house jointly with your spouse, you may want to have your family's living trust be the owner of that house. You still have full right to do anything to that house you want when you're ready to sell it you have full right to sell it but if something happens and god calls you home while you still own that house and the trust is technically owning that property the trust will determine how that house is disposed of it will not go through a probate court
2: hmm. 8557673123855rose123 Tanya is calling us from Northbrook Virginia Tanya what is your question here for Dina today
4: to know, how do I start with planning better for my retirement?
2: Okay.
3: Oh, that's a high and deep one,
4: Tanya. Thank
2: you. (laughs) That's (laughs) an open-ended question. We can talk all day about that It
4: is. Yes. So, I just need to know where to start. I've been, like, looking at YouTube videos on different things that I can do as far as investing, like in the um, Forex market and, you know, just different investment. And so, I get completely confused because I don't know a lot about it. But my situation is um, I was a single mom, and I just worked extremely hard, you know, to get everybody acclimated and where they should be by the time they get grown, like independent. (laughs) So now uh, my next goal is to pay off my house, which will be done um, June of 2022. So what do I do now with the money that I would apply on my mortgage?
3: Oh my goodness! So that I you
4: can have a nice retirement.
3: <laughs> well, you're already being a rock star about this whole thing. I love that you're getting out there and educating yourself about the different types of investments that are out there. That is wonderful. <laughs> awesome. And you're less than a year to have your house paid off.
4: Yes, That's, I that's big stuff, Tanya? hard. I Go, know. girl! I was. I just stayed discipline and focus like when i wanted to go eat out i say nope this money is going towards my home so i just stay focused stay focused
3: yeah so so tanya are you still working (laughs) yes
4: i am i'm still working but eventually i want to just be able to enjoy life like go back Mm -hmm. to traveling i love to travel Mm And so um, my plan is within the next couple of years, maybe three or four years, that I can just stop working and, you know, what that um, I have built up so far, I can like, just live off of it if that's possible. You know, with me making the right investments. So
3: sure. Sure.
4: Retirement fund. So that's one thing.
3: So so here's what I would suggest for you. We're going to we're going to put you on hold. Bob's going to get your contact information. We're going to send you our financial planning toolkit. And this okay. is step 1. This is going to get you organized. This is going to get all your financial stuff in one place. Okay. Okay. And it's just it's okay. a high-level document, Tanya, that you go in and you just fill it in so that in one spot you can see everything that you have and the next thing okay. that you would do is you would take that to a financial planner and have them run a financial plan for you. And that financial okay. plan is going to tell you a couple of things. The first thing it's going to tell you is if you keep doing what you're doing today, here's the likely outcome. I did a plan for a client this week and they a lot of times clients will give me their budgets and tell me and, and say, "Hey, can I maintain this lifestyle when I retire? And sometimes clients come to me and they say, can you just tell me if I keep doing this thing that I'm doing right now, if I keep working and saving this much money, how much can I expect to live on in retirement? Okay. So we can, we can answer that question from both angles, but I think okay. it's important for you to understand what your trajectory is right now. If you want to retire in two or three years, what does your income look like for the rest of your life? What is a rate of return that you need to achieve on your investments so that you can outpace taxes and inflation for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life and not take so much risk that you have to worry about not having income if the market goes down?
4: Okay. And that was like one of my concerns right there. (laughs) <laughs> yes, because eventually I'm gonna be just too old to be out there working, and so I want to make sure I have a really good, you know, nest egg where I can just don't have to worry about living with my kids for one, which they would take good care of me, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I want to be comfortable in my own home and be able to maintain. Well, you, you got know, a long ways um, to go.
2: It sounds like Tanya, you're 19 years old, and so you oh got.
4: Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> 60
2: years old oh okay well maybe you sounded just a little younger than that
3: (laughs) i'll tell you what tanya i would i would love to talk with you offline and help you plan this out because it sounds like you've got a great start
2: all right tanya we're gonna we're gonna put you on hold thanks so much for calling here today 855-767-3123 855-767-3123 to talk to Dina Arnett in the studio here for Larry Rosenthal. Hey, Arnita Strouds on YouTube on Larry Rosenthal TV has a question for you. She typed it in for us. She wants. Oh, to,
3: she hi, wants, Arnita.
6: What's up, to, girlfriend?
2: She wants to know about uh, the backdoor process for Roth IRAs because you know if you're making too much money for opening one, how do you go about that whole process?
3: Oh, great question. Thank you for that question, Arnita. Well, uh, on a backdoor Roth IRA, the backdoor Roth IRA comes into play if you make too much money to make a direct contribution to the Roth IRA. There's this crazy loophole. Don't ask me to explain why it is or how it exists. It just does. Okay. But you can... Make a contribution to a traditional IRA. There are no income limits on a traditional IRA contribution. You just won't be able to deduct it from your income taxes. So the backdoor Roth IRA says, hey, okay, you can't just contribute directly to your Roth IRA because you're fortunate and make too much money. So we'll make that same $7,000 or $6,000 contribution to a traditional IRA, We'll take a breather for a minute, and then we will convert it to Roth IRA. If there's some earnings in the account before you convert it, you may owe taxes on a little bit of earnings. But that is how you get the money from your paycheck into a Roth IRA if you make more money than the federal government allows for contributing directly. We've got the direct contribution, and then we've got the indirect, which is the back door.
2: Good question, Arnita, and thanks for watching on LarryRosenthal.tv. Yes. Well, we didn't have a lot of time to wrap up, but we certainly appreciate you here today, Dina, and the con- uh, the, con- the uh, conversations, what I meant to say. Conversa- Easy for
3: you to say. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. the conversation <laughs> on uh, on estate planning today is wonderful. So thank you so much for being here today, and thank you for listening on uh, LarryRosenthal.tv as well as on SiriusXM and WAVA. Thanks very much for being here. We'll talk to you again next time, Dina. Take care. bye